Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. It's so good to uh, have you with us here in the room. So good to be joining with you online. Who's excited about school holidays finishing? Yeah, now the kids are out of the room. Yeah, I think we're all pretty excited. All three of our kids are off to school for the first time tomorrow, and I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. It's well overdue. <laughs> We've had a, a fantastic summer break, uh, but the kids are just over being with each other. They, uh, we've had a, a lot of time together this summer on a bunch of road trips. My, uh, my parents recently moved to Toowoomba, where my brother lives, so we've spent a couple of road trips uh, up to Toowoomba over these holidays. We've spent some time with Lauren's family up the coast, so more trips in the car. Just last week, uh, Laurie and I spoke at a, a youth camp um, on the Sunshine Coast hinterland, so that meant more time in the car. It's almost been a summer of road trips for us. Uh, I would love to know, who here has had a road trip this summer? Has anybody traveled for maybe more than 90 minutes in a car to get on a holiday? Anyone? A show of hands? Yeah, okay. You only really need to be going down to Southport at the moment with the, the traffic on the M1. That'll take you 90 minutes sometimes, but uh, the reality is that road trips can be a lot of fun. We've had some great road trips uh, in the past, but after this summer, we have had enough. We're done for a little while. We are all road tripped out. We're very excited that school is back because you might look at Lauren and I and think, oh, you guys are pastors. You you must have, have really beautiful, maybe even spiritual road trips. Now, you pray before you leave the home. You put on some worship music and the, some family sing-alongs. And before long, there's an extended time of, of praying for one another and our church and our world. And a quiet time of confession and repentance before we all share communion together. And we arrive at our destination peaceful, refreshed, and closer to Jesus. If you think that's what our road trips are like, let me burst that bubble right there. See, our road trips, they might usually start with a prayer, and at some point, we'll put some worship music on, but pretty soon, the demands begin. Turn the music up. Turn the music down. Give me food. No peace like communion. It's give me. And then, uh, and then the perennial, are we there yet? I'm bored. And as the summer has worn on, as we've kind of done more and more road trips, the kids have gotten on each other's nerves more and more. There's been pushing and shoving and name-calling and hair-pulling. This last week, the last trip up to, uh, to Mapleton, we had to pull out all the stops because the backseat of our car had become a war zone. I, I had to kind of pull out the loud preacher's voice to convict them of their sins. I had to even one time turn, uh, turn off the side of the road and call them to repentance on the side of the road. I've even pulled out the, uh, the old threat to use it as a sermon illustration, which I've gotten their permission to do. But all of this frustration has boiled over. The bad blood has continued and the conflict has remained. Our kids are very much ready to go back to school. One kid sitting in the front seat, another kid in the middle, and the other kid in the back row of the car. Road trips 
we are done for a while. But today we're going to look at uh, one of the Psalms of Ascent, which is one of the, these ancient songs that the, uh, the, ancient, the, the Israelite people would sing as they went on their road trips. See, God has ordained, or God did ordain for His people three key festivals throughout the year that they had to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for. We read in Deuteronomy, God says that three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place He will choose. And that was the temple in Jerusalem. At the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, at the Festival of Weeks, and at the Festival of the Tabernacles. So three times a year, they'd pack up everything, all their brothers and family and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure some of the women went along as well. And they would do this journey towards Jerusalem to worship God. And as they did so, they had some psalms, they had some songs of ascent that they would sing that reminded them about what they were doing, that focused them on God. And one of those songs is Psalm 133. It's a very short psalm, but it's the last song of ascent that was written by King David. And this is just wild speculation on my part, but it wouldn't surprise me if David wrote this psalm in response to some of the bickering and the antics that he might have experienced, like what we experienced on our road trips. Over his reign, King David had some big challenges. He had to bring unity across all of these Jewish tribes. It was an era where the kingdom was expanding and it covered a broad geographic area. There were many conflicts and wars with other people groups and as a result, there would have been fighting and bickering amongst God's people. So it's not surprising that David would write a psalm like this for times when all God's people embarked on a pilgrimage together to remind them about living in unity. You can read along in Psalm 133 on your own Bible or it'll be on the screens behind me. But King David writes this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. I told it was a short psalm. That's it. Three verses long. But in this psalm, maybe in response to the bickering and the disagreements, the conflicts that, uh, that David had seen, David calls the nation together in unity. Many of the psalms that David wrote are, are about our relationship with God in a, a vertical sense, kind of how we relate to God and how he relates to us. Now, the sermon that Jace preached last week from Psalm 16 is a, is a great example. If you missed last week, I encourage you to jump on our YouTube channel and watch that sermon. It's a fantastic way to kick your year off and build in some great habits in your walk with Jesus. But this psalm and my message today is a little bit more speaking to how God's people are to relate to one another. It looks at this horizontal aspect of life and faith. How we're to live in God's community together with others. And the challenge with this psalm is that though it kind of highlights a couple of things, it doesn't really tell us how to live in God's community. So alongside this psalm today, we're going to look at some of the words of another spiritual leader of a different community of God's people. The Apostle Peter was chosen by Jesus to lead the early church after Jesus ascended to heaven. 
And he faced some similar challenges to David. There was a huge expansion in the number of Jesus' followers. There were different perspectives and opinions amongst the group. And it ended up being over a large geographical area. Peter wrote two letters to the the church at large, imploring them to be faithful to Jesus' commands and to live together in community. So alongside Psalm 133 this morning, we're going to also read Peter's encouragement to the church in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you do have your Bible, stick a finger in Psalm 133 and then flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm just going to read a few verses from, uh, from verse 8. This is Peter talking to the church about how to live for one another and live for God. He says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, both David and Peter see the importance of unity in God's community. Both of them lived in a time and a culture that challenged that unity. That as David says at the start of the psalm, he says it is good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity. Life is more pleasant. It just works better when everyone is getting along, when true community is taking place. Whether that's in the backseat of a car on a road trip, whether that's at a work, in a work situation, whether that's around the dinner table with your family, whatever context we look at, life is good and pleasant when people get along. The challenge for us is, is... as it was in David's time and also in Peter's time, is that we live in quite a divided world. There's conflict and disharmony everywhere that we turn in our culture today, in our politics, in our media, in our society. Division and discord run rampant. The left wages war with the right. Our cancel culture seems to shut people down that that voice an opinion against a certain narrative. And even that annual lamb ad. Have you seen this lamb ad with Sam Kekovich? This year's, uh, uh, this year's ad, it talks about how uh, people can p- call you un-Australian for all sorts of things. And uh, it kind of unites people around the meal of lamb. It's quite a hilarious ad. But uh, it, it's, it's fascinating that this ad picks up on this idea that we are a divided people. But the reality is that it should look different in Christian community. Together as brothers and sisters, we are united in Christ. We gather around this common belief that Jesus died and rose again as our risen Lord. Sure, we might have some difference of opinions when it comes to certain things, certain perspectives, and maybe even some different theologies on some minor issues. But the truth that Jesus died for our sins and rose to life in victory over death, it unites us. It brings us together. Oh, I had the privilege of seeing this in action over the past week as Laurie and I went to speak at a, at a state youth camp with all of these Baptist churches from around southeast Queensland. Thirteen different youth groups from different churches came together for a week up at Mapleton. Young people from regional areas and rural areas, from the, from the coast and the city. There were around 220 kids and 80 leaders or so from around the state. And man, it was so encouraging to see the unity that these young people lived out together. They were passionate, they were worshipful, and they were desperate to follow Jesus. And let me tell you, there is a good thing happening 
across our state. In these churches, all these young people, there is some really exciting things because the future of our church as a whole rests on young people like these. And it's an exciting future. God is doing a good work. And in fact, our own youth camp is going to be coming up at the end of term one. If you're in a high school uh, years this year, really want to encourage you to prioritize that. It's going to be the last weekend of the school holidays. And uh, more information will come out, I'm sure, in the near future. But David says that it's good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity. So how do we build unity in a community like ours here at Gateway. We're going to look at three simple things this morning and then a really practical challenge, a practical response. To begin with, we have to commit to each other. Peter's first encouragement in those verses that we read out before is to love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And as you would hear at any Christian wedding, love is not just an emotion or a feeling. Love is an action. It involves building trust between the husband and wife. It requires commitment. In the same way, Christian community is built when people trust each other, when they open up to one another, when they love one another. But the very first step of that is a step of commitment, a commitment to be part of community, to say, I'm all in. And we build unity in community when we commit to one another. In the King James Version of this psalm, Psalm 133, David's first line is translated, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together. You know, at the start of the psalm, David is inviting people to take an active interest in community. Behold, he says, fix your eyes upon this. Give it your attention. Experience and take hold of this concept of God's people living together. Take a step of commitment. The reality is you can't build community if you're not committed. I wonder if this is a challenge for some of us today. I wonder if for some of us our commitment to being part of Christian community, whether that be here on a Sunday or, or part of a smaller community like a life group, maybe it's waned a little bit over the last few years. With everything that's gone on, with, with things that have happened in our culture, maybe we've dropped out of some of the important habits of meeting together, of living out community together. Perhaps getting along to church services or being part of a life group has just slipped down the list of priorities. I'll confess that last year I'd fallen out of that habit. I'd let go of the commitment to sharing community with others in a life group. And when one of the guys here asked me early last year, hey, I'm looking for a group of men just to open the Bible and read it together. Do you know of any? I realized that I had fallen out of that habit. I'd fallen out of the habit of meeting with a few people on a regular basis and opening God's Word. So I said to this guy, I said, hey, I actually need a group like that too. Why don't we just start one? Get it going. And so for the last six months or so, I've been part of a group of blokes, about five or six of us, that just meet weekly simply to open God's Word, to apply it to our lives, and to pray for one another. Well, we chose to make a commitment to one another. One of the guys, he's on travel a fair bit, and uh, he just calls in on Zoom because he's committed. And we've experienced the blessing of living together in community. 
this blessing that David talks about. At the start of this year, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take one more step of commitment to Christian community. Wherever you're at right now, just take one more step. Maybe you've been church shopping for a little while. You know, you've been checking out a bunch of churches, and your step is just to make a decision, just to commit to one place. If that's here, that's awesome. We'd love to welcome you to our newcomers lunch next Sunday, straight after the 10 a.m. service. It's going to be out in the function room. Last about 40 minutes or so. Family's welcome. It's a great opportunity to come and hear a little bit more about who we are as a church. If God's calling you to be committed somewhere else, then be committed there. Go with our blessing. But just make a commitment somewhere. If you're already committed to this church community, maybe take one more step and prioritize attending a service each week. Make it a non-negotiable part of your routine. Or take the next step of committing to a life group. We're going to be launching life groups in a couple of weeks at Vision Sunday. So let the team know that you'd like to commit to be part of a life group this year. You can simply fill in those QR codes that Brad was talking about and let us know. We'd love to be able to help you take a step of commitment. And maybe if you're online, maybe you've been watching for a few weeks, but you're kind of doing it at arm's length. You're anonymous. You haven't kind of jumped into the chat and said, G'day, I want to challenge you. Take a step of commitment. Right now, just uh, go to the computer or on your phone, however you're watching, and just say, hey, I'm such and such from such and wherever you're from. Just get to know, just uh, identify yourself, make a commitment into community. See, we build unity in community when we commit to one another. And as we begin our year, let's take a step of commitment together. The second encouragement Peter speaks of is the power of hospitality in community. Peter writes to God's people in the church, imploring them to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Meanwhile, David uses this word picture involving oil as he talks about the blessing that community is. David says, it, or God's people living in unity, is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. This picture that David uses, it kind of builds upon itself. Initially, he talks about this precious oil being poured on one's head and then running down one's beard. Then he mentions the oil running on Aaron's beard and onto his robe. In David's time, this oil was used in the sharing of hospitality. After a long journey in the hot and dusty environment, as these travelers were making their pilgrimage, they would enter into people's homes at the end of the day. They would be greeted, they would be welcomed, and they would be given oil to lather on their hair and face. This oil would cleanse them, it would refresh them, it would reinvigorate the weary traveler. And in this picture, there's not just a a drop or two of this oil, it's not a cheap and stingy offering, there is an abundance of this oil. David builds on this picture and starts talking about Aaron, the first high priest of the Israelites, and how this oil is also a special and sacred anointing, a blessing that comes directly from God and flows through the community. So it is with Christian community. The blessing of that is a special and sacred gift that comes directly from God. But it involves us as well. It begins, this blessing begins to flow out with the sharing of hospitality. It starts with a simple act of connecting with others. See, we build unity in community when we connect with each other. 
I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to encourage you to be bold. And just to raise your hands real briefly if you have started attending Gateway just in the last 12 or 13 months, since the beginning of last year. Who has started coming to our church in the last 12 months or so? Okay, hey, why don't we give these guys a huge round of applause? Hey, welcome. It is so good to have you part of our community. And here at church, hopefully you don't just hear the words, everyone is welcome. Hopefully you've also experienced that welcome as you've connected with people here. But connecting with others is something that we all must do. Sure, we've got a great welcome team, but in a large church like this, to to build a sense of oneness, we all have a role to play in connecting with one another. Together, we are the church, and all of us have a role to play in extending the hand of hospitality, to invite people in, to help people connect in community and not just feel on the outside. Because it can be really challenging stepping into an established community. The other day, I went and tried a brand new gym, one of those group fitness places. I'd never been there before, and uh, I, I felt really out of place. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the routines. And it felt like there were a whole bunch of insiders who knew all of that. I was completely unaware of it. For most of the session, I felt like an outsider. I noticed that everybody was wearing these kind of funky socks, these, um, these novelty socks. I was like, what is going on with this place? And it wasn't until right at the end that the, uh, the trainer explained that today was whatever day we wear weird socks day. And I felt really out of place because I wasn't wearing funky, loud, novelty socks. And for most of the morning, I felt very much on the outside. And it wasn't until my last exercise that I needed help getting some weights off the bars because I'm a pretty puny little guy. And so one of the guys came over to lend me a hand. That was the first time that anybody other than the trainer had said, G'day. But it was a really simple question. He said, oh, is this, is this your first time? And then he, he offered me a hand, taking the weights off, and he introduced me to a couple of others, and, and I started to feel a little less on the outside. But I'm still not sure I'll go back. <laughs> I recognize that this can be similar in our community as well. There are so many new things when you turn up new to Gateway. Where do my kids go? Who's that person on the stage? What's their role? Do I raise my hands in worship or do I fold them by my side? Many of us who have been here for a long time have forgotten what it's like to be new. So we have a challenge to connect others, to welcome people in. But I'm convinced that with Jesus on our side, we can do a whole lot better than a gym. And acknowledge the pain as well for those who have tried. It can be really hard, particularly in a large church like that. But for those who've tried to connect in and hasn't quite clicked yet, can I encourage you to keep going? I want to apologize that we might not have done enough, but I want to encourage you to persist, to give connecting in another go here at Gateway. Because it's on all of us to welcome others in, to extend that hospitality, to help people connect. What would it look like to come to church each Sunday, not just ready to worship God, but ready to extend hospitality to others? To not just head straight out the doors and into your car and off home after the service, but be prepared to intentionally connect with people, to get to know other people, to help connect them in. What would it even look like to come along prepared to invite people home for lunch? A little later this morning, we're going to have a really practical opportunity to connect with others. But why not have this attitude 
every Sunday. Because we build unity in community when we connect with one another. Finally this morning, we can build unity in community when we contribute together. The final word picture that David uses in his psalm is this image of dew falling from above. He says it's, it's as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That's how good and pleasant community is. Now, these words, these locations might not mean a huge amount to us. But the reality is that Mount Hermon is Israel's largest mountain. It's 9,000 feet high. and It's situated in the very north of the region. It's high enough to catch the snow in winter. And even in the hot summer months, the grass of the mountain collects dew overnight. And as a result, Mount Hermon always has water year-round, and that provides for lush, fertile grass on the mountain and in the surrounding areas. In contrast, Mount Zion is the hill in Jerusalem that is home to the temple. It's the place that the Israelites would travel on their pilgrimage to these festivals every year. But unlike Mount Hermon, it's a dry and dusty hill. It's in the middle of a fairly arid zone. And as the travelers got closer to their destination, they were, they were parched. They were thirsty. They were ready for a break. David's saying, how good would it be if the refreshing waters from Mount Hermon were available for the travelers as they approached Mount Zion and Jerusalem? That life-giving, thirst-quenching, refreshing feeling of cool water, that's how good unity amongst God's people is. And on a journey like that, there's no space for bickering in the back seat. No allowance for disagreements or, or fighting along the way. In fact, if these people are to successfully navigate their journey, they're going to have to share resources, share the water supply amongst themselves, share the load if an animal or a person gets injured. And this echoes Peter's command to God's people to the church in his letter, where he says in verse 10, Finally, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. See, if we're to build a community amongst God's people, whether that's on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem or growing the early church or building here Gateway Baptist as a church today, we need to contribute together. Now, we build a sense of unity when every part of the body is playing their role, where the whole church is putting their gifts into action. In, in um, next month, we're going to start doing a, a new series uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, and we're going to spend some time looking at the spiritual gifts that we are given, how we can use those gifts to build the church. But I want to encourage you, don't wait till then to get involved. Find a way to contribute to community. Find a way to use your gifts by serving in one of our Team Gateway serving teams. There are plenty of opportunities on a Sunday. You saw some of the kids and the youth leaders up here uh, earlier there's plenty of opportunity there, as well as our, worship, our welcome and connection teams, our production teams, and our Beyond Cafe as well. Many of these are once-a-month type commitments. And there's plenty of stuff going on midweek as well. We're always looking for people who'd be willing to host, uh, open their home and host people uh, for a life group, or people to join the care team, either in the op shop or the, the care ministries. If you're online, you can join the host teams, or you can host an online life group as well. There's even space for you to get involved. There are plenty of opportunities for us to, uh, to, get, to be able to contribute to community on the journey that we share together. 
It's really simple to get involved. You can, as Brad mentioned, you can fill in a Connect card. You can have a chat today with some of the team that you've seen, the, the team, kids team in their green shirts, the production team out the back or over in the coffee shop. Have a chat with someone and express your interest. You don't need to know exactly what you want to do. You just need to have a willingness, and the teams would love to help you find a place to serve. So both King David and the Apostle Peter led vast, diverse groups of God's people. And both knew the importance of community, the importance of unity within that, the importance of living together as God's people. David concludes his psalm by saying that it is in community where the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. He says that being part of God's community is an incredible blessing. It's something that isn't just for now, but it's something that's a picture of eternity, that we're going to be together in community into eternity. And like the picture of the oil and the dew that David uses, this blessing comes from God and finds its way throughout the entire community of God's people. So what would it look like to live out that blessing? How can we experience the goodness and pleasantness that David talks about? Well, the earliest community of Jesus followers experienced this. The book of Acts tells us about the early church. It said all the believers were in one in heart and in mind. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to one another. They shared hospitality together. They met regularly in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together. And it says in Acts that the Lord was bringing people into their community, seeing them come to faith in Jesus day after day. What would it look like for us as a community at Gateway Baptist Church, as a community of Gateway Online, to live community out, to really commit, to really connect, to really contribute? I'd love to see our community go out of our way to help those who are new quickly feel part of the family, to be on the lookout for those who step through our doors for the first time, to go out of our way to stop and introduce ourselves, to get to know one another, to introduce them to others. For everyone who walks through those doors, to not feel like an outsider for long at all, but to be quickly welcomed in to this community. I'd love to see each and every one of us uh, having an opportunity to use the gifts that God has given us to serve His people, to grow His church, to see our community grow as people walk in and experience the love of God and the love of people in this place. How good and pleasant would it be to see God at work in our community as we all commit, all connect, and all contribute to one another. This morning, we're going to end our service a little bit differently. As I mentioned before, this message is a little bit more of a horizontal message. It's about how God uh, calls us to live in community with others. Often, our messages are more about that vertical relationship, about how we relate to God and how He relates to us. And so often, we'll sing a song at the end of the service. We're not going to do that today. Instead, I want to give you a practical challenge to do something to commit, connect, or contribute to Christian community here at Gateway. See, sometimes it actually feels that coming to church can be a little bit transactional. We come in, we worship God, we hear a message, and then we leave straight away. We miss the interrelational aspects, the opportunities to connect with others. So in a moment, I'm going to close the service 
in prayer. But I want to encourage you to stick around for a while. We're finishing earlier than we often do. So have some time to connect, to commit, to contribute, to have a deeper conversation with someone. Maybe you this morning, for you this morning, it's a conversation about committing to this community. Or perhaps exploring a life group. Perhaps for you, the conversation you need to have is to chat with one of our welcome team to find out more and to get involved in our newcomers event next Sunday. Or perhaps you need to have that conversation with a group of friends to arrange that time to meet for that life group that you've talked about starting. Or perhaps today you need to have a conversation that's all about connection. You just need to get to know somebody a little bit better. Ask them a little bit of their story. It doesn't have to be a scary thing. Just start by introducing yourself and asking how long they've been coming to Gateway for. If you've got kids, maybe wander over to go and pick them up and have a chat with another parent about which school the kids are starting tomorrow. Or maybe for you, it's time to have a conversation with someone about making a contribution. Having a chat with one of our production team up the back or visiting with our cafe team, our welcome team or our kids team, just to explore about how you might be able to get involved in serving. They'd love to help you take that step. And if you're online, there's an opportunity for you as well. I want to encourage you to have a conversation with someone in the chat. Step out of the shadows. Don't be here anonymously, but instead, just type your name in the chat. Say where you're joining from. Say g'day to those who are part of this online community as well. I want to encourage you today. Maybe it's something we can practice a little bit more. Don't just run off without talking to someone this morning. Don't just make church a transaction. Have a conversation. Build a relationship this morning. Experience how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in community together. Why don't we all stand? I'm going to pray for us as we close this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for community. We thank you that that was your idea all along, Lord God. Thank you that you have made us in your image with the ability to connect with others, to have community in the same way that you enjoy community with the Son and the Spirit. Lord, you've called us to enjoy community with your people here on earth. God, I thank you for this church, for the amazing history that you've given it, for the people who make up this community. God, I thank you for each and every person who calls Gateway Home. And Lord, this year I would pray that you would help us to experience the goodness and the pleasantness of living together in unity. God, this year, would you help us to, uh, to commit, commit to being here on Sundays, commit to a life group. Lord, would you help us to connect with others? Would you help us to, uh, to not let anyone have that outsider experience for long, but instead, would you use us to help people find connection, help feel part of the family? God, I pray as well that you would uh, use the gifts that you have given us. Lord, would you lead us to use those gifts to serve your people, to grow your church and to be a blessing to the wider community. God, we thank you so much that you have promised to build your church, Jesus, such that the gates of hell won't even be able to prevail against it. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just inspire us, you would challenge us, you would lead us to play our part, that we would experience how good and pleasant 
living in unity with our brothers and sisters really is. We ask these things in your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning, I want to encourage you to have a chat with someone. Hang around for a little while. Get to know people. If you would like some prayer this morning for any reason, our prayer team is going to be down the front. They would love to stand with you and pray. But why don't we hang out a little bit? Let's be the church together and connect with one another. God bless you and see you later. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.